broadcast. This is your emergency broadcast system. It's time for the hashtag Biz with the Beer podcast. Business as you've never heard before. This is an ACS executive production. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be one bumpy flipping ride. May God be with you all. Good afternoon and welcome to the podcast that is authentic, shameless, unapologetic, and raw. This is the hashtag biz with the beard podcast. This is business as you've never heard before. I'm your host, the man who has a passport to awesome on my face. I am the beard, Kerfy Smith. He looks like a weirdie. And joining me today is a man whose beard not only makes him hot in the summer, but all year long. What's happening, the hot stuff? My good friend. <laughs> Bearded brother, Hawkeye lover, freedom fighter. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle, public speaker, and master business consultant, Mr. Kurt Mercadante. Welcome to Hashtag Biz with the Beard Podcast, sir. Curfee, go Hawks. Thank you so much for having me on <laughs> the show. On. Notice, we, we don't mention the fact that we used to live in Illinois, as I tell people. <laughs> I, I used to live in Illinois, but don't hold that against me. Yeah, right. That, I do the same thing. It's funny. I was uh, having a conversation with someone the other day, and everyone asked me down here in Georgia, why'd you move to Georgia? I said, because it's not Illinois. So I shouldn't say that. I probably got a lot of Illinois listeners, so I apologize. Well, yeah, you know what, though? <laughs> Most people in Illinois get it. Yeah. They know exactly why. Um, and, you know, I grew up there. We have family there. Yeah. I love the people there. Yep. Um, but I will just say that everyone I tell in Illinois that we moved, they totally understand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great, I mean, it's a great, I, my childhood was fantastic. I, I yeah. loved where I grew up, loved the state. It's just not the same state anymore. It's just different. Totally changed. Like, yes. You know, I it agree. was for, time for us to get up and move on. So, and see the world. Absolutely. So how are things on Johns Island, South Carolina? Well, they're beautiful today. It's almost 80 degrees. Nice. We got four kids. They are out playing, having a good time. Uh, I think they're all going to the park later. We're social distancing here in the coronavirus <laughs> chaos, you know, yeah. which means beach, parks, um, you know, whatever. We're, 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 we're keeping that routine. We're keeping it normal. Our youngest is six. He has no idea what the heck coronavirus yeah. is and that's fine with us um we're moving forward that's all you can do yeah yeah my kids they kind of had to talk with them a little bit and you know you know we're, we're practicing social distancing i've got a uh, since i work from home i gotta uh, be the teacher and two kids got expelled today because they didn't do their homework but um <laughs> <laughs> no and all kidding aside like, we did get up do some homework and uh they're uh, playing our plane right now and then we're gonna go on a little field trip this afternoon just the three of us somewhere and uh you know kind of enjoy awesome. this weather as well so but hey, uh, tell me the story of that magnificent piece of art on your face. There's too much male bonding going on in here for me. That the yeah. commoner and others would probably refer to simply as a beard. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Every month I get a question. I get the question if I actually dye it the way it is because it's kind of got the black yeah. and the stripes and everything. Back in, I think it was 2016, I, you know, other than just a random goatee every now and then and not shaving for a few days, I had never had a beard. And in 2016, I decided to grow one for November and uh, for the, you know, November, the uh, raise awareness of prostate cancer, yep. all that. So yep. I did. And pe I, I said, you know what? I'm going to keep this till Christmas. 
And about a month in, I went and visited a client. They're like, oh, you know, so-and-so who runs the organization, she's not going to be happy with the beard. And I said, you know what? You just guaranteed this thing's getting longer. And then I heard from some relatives, oh, what are you doing with that beard? I don't like it. And whenever I heard someone say, you got to shave that off, I don't like it, the thing got longer. And I joke around (laughs) with people. I said, if people start telling me that I look better with it than without it, I'm going to shave it off. And, uh, it's just, you know, my beard means freedom because it, it, at the time I grew it, it was kind of a middle finger to the corporate world I was in. Right. And, um, you know, right now, well, you know, this, you know, I have a pretty thick, uh, beard when it grows in. Yeah. And it is a pain to shave every day. Oh yeah. And so there's time freedom I mean, add up all the minutes to shave your face in the year times your lifetime. Oh, my gosh. So, you know what? It's it's practical, but it's also it's turned into, um, you know, my brand and people recognize Mm -hmm. why, which is which is you know, icing on the cake. Yeah, absolutely. Get it. Same thing. I, you know, it is my brand as well. I will say yeah. though, <laughs> my, uh, metrosexual side to me <laughs> has taken <laughs> over with my beard care. And now I, I oil it and I butter it and clean it and shape it. And so I do think it does take a little bit more time now to keep it the way it looks. Uh, and I, but I quite enjoy it. I'm actually, uh, wearing a, uh, scent right now called humidor, from the guy nice. from Honey Ocker Beard Company. They sent me some stuff, and uh, yeah, I, I'm digging it. Yeah, I'm same thing. It was a kind of a middle finger to the corporate world saying, hey, if you're going to judge me based what's on my face, and I can save you 20%, why do you care what's on my face? It, does, it shouldn't matter. Exactly. Um, totally. You know, that's a point. So, yeah, so you did mention you're a Hawkeye fan. We're both Hawkeye fans. Yeah. Iowa sports are doing quite well. I mean, the football program is consistently in the top 15, and uh, with bowl appearances each year, the basketball program had a great year. Luke Garza, named player of the year. Mm-hmm. Women's basketball, another phenomenal year. Baseball had a made a run last year. And the wrestling team, which there is no other wrestling school like the Hawkeyes, yeah. uh, just won the big. And uh, look, they looked to add another national title uh, to its wall before all this COVID-19 stuff came up. So what draws you to the Hawkeye program? And I know you went to school there. And why do you think it's been so successful or consistent in your mind? Yeah. You know, I think, well, uh, you know, basketball hasn't really been consistent. You know, they had a dark period there for a long time. And of course, leave it to the year that they're going to do something Mm -hmm. for them to cancel the season. It's like I'm a big Chicago White Sox fan. And the year they have maybe the best (laughs) offseason of my (laughs) lifetime, they cancel the season, you know. Well, hopefully it's just postponed. But yeah, you know, I I think when you look at, let's say, the, the football program, it's consistent because of Kirk Ferentz. And listen, it's one of those programs where, you know, in the middle of every year, they kind of seem to fall asleep and I get frustrated with Ferentz. <laughs> but if you look at the last, what, what has he been there? 21 years now or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe missed two bowl games. That's it. I yeah. Think. And the amount of top 10 finishes, top 15 finishes they've had. It's, it's, uh, you know, are they, are they national championship caliber caliber? No, but what what I love about them is you compare them to like an Alabama or an Ohio State that at certain positions have like four at one position, four mm-hmm. four star recruits. And Iowa has a total of like one or two on their team. And they'll take a safety who's a little slow. They condition the heck out of him and turn him into an all American and future all pro linebacker. Right. It it's it is that 
um, development, you know, blue collar development. Oh, it's unbelievable how they do that. And, and that's why Kirk Ferentz, people complain, oh, why is he paid so much? Cause there's a lot of other coaches look like a Jimbo Fisher, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he has some horrible years, wins a national championship, horrible years, jump ship. They know that they're going to be consistent and that Ferentz is going to stay there and keep yeah. building the program and lead it on. And I mean, look at the coaching tree that Hayden Fry had. Oh, and, and I think Ferentz, he's already, he's starting to build that now, Yeah, which is not only good for the Hawkeyes, but it's good for, um, uh, you know, college sports overall yeah. on the wrestling side. I mean, my goodness. I mean, you know, it's all it it all goes back to Dan Gable. And, uh, you know, he was the coach when I was there. Those wrestlers are crazy. Uh, I mean, literally, I knew some that were crazy. Some of the stuff they did. Oh, yeah. Uh, outside oh, of watch. Yeah. I mean, they sell out Carver Hawkeye Arena for a wrestling match. And no other college or university can say that. And, and I don't know if you watched the Penn State, Iowa uh, wrestling match this year. That was insane. And I get excited during sports a little bit, but I haven't been that excited in a long time. And I was jumping up and down. I was so stoked watching that. I was like, this yeah. is awesome. It, it really is. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, the women have been pretty consistent over the years. I remember I, they were final four. I think we were, when I was going there, I'm pretty sure field hockey was a fi- was final four <laughs> in field hockey when I was there. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's, it's blue collar. It's consistent. It's not flashy. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved going there, had a great time. I haven't been back on campus since 09, which is oh, really? crazy to believe. I was there that year. They went, they won 10, 11 games. Um, yeah, Orange Bowl. I went to the, I went to yeah, the Orange Bowl game. I went to the Indiana game that was supposed to be easy and they almost oh, lost yeah. and yeah, yeah, they had yeah. and nine came, in a row or something. So and they ended up blowing them out, but it was like, it took the fourth quarter to do it. They were like yeah. down like three touchdowns and uh good old Ricky Stanzi. Gotta love him. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I watch every Hawkeye game. I'm also a Notre Dame fan. My dad went there. That's right. So those are the two that I watch. Um, and, uh, them and the White Sox. Well, you know, usually we'll, hopefully college football is back in yeah, the fall. Hopefully, yeah. So that's, yeah. What, that's a, that's a matchup I would love to see is Iowa versus Notre Dame. And I just, <laughs> I look for it every year come, uh, Bowl time, say, man, that'd be great if they get that going, but they can never seem to, it never happens. But I would love to see that because Iowa, again, like you said, it's not a national like title contender every year. And about once every five, six years, they make a run at it. Um, but consistently, year in and year out, you don't take them for granted. And you walk into Kinnick Stadium, I don't care who you are, whether you're Alabama, Michigan, that's where teams go to die. And uh, it's not easy. And everyone knows it, that when you play Iowa, hey, I don't care what your ranking is. I don't care how many five-star athletes you got. You could get beat pretty easily. It's interesting. So I just looked it up here. They have not played each other since 1968, according to this website. Really? But they used to play each other, play each other very frequently. I mean, uh, 61, 60, 61, 62, 64, 67, 68. I mean, all through the fifties. Huh. And there's gotta be a story there somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, I think my, you know, my dad, if you asked my dad when he was alive, I mean, I think he would have told me, <laughs> Oh, the big 10 hates the Catholics or whatever. You know, he used to, he used to, it was always 
woe is me, Notre Dame. It's like, come on. Yeah. Dad, it's Notre yeah. Dame. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's hilarious. So, yeah. well, dude, I have a feeling you, you and I could sit around and talk sports like two old friends sitting in a bar all day long, but uh, I don't think <laughs> probably nobody really wants to hear that. That's why he's dialing in to listen to you. Uh, before we, uh, I like to talk about the book. Before we get in the book, tell me about Kurt prior to the Freedom Lifestyle. I mean, you were running an extremely successful public relations advertising agency, jet setting all over the world, money flowing in, big house, et cetera. However, something was missing. What was it? And what was that defining moment when you said F it? Yeah, you know, I don't I didn't know what was missing. All I knew was something wasn't right. Like when I would wake up, I was making money doing all these things. I, I was constantly stressed. Right. I didn't feel like I was controlling my life, but I also didn't feel like I was doing what I was put on this earth to do. And if you don't know what that feels like, that's great. That's wonderful. But a lot of people listening right now will know exactly what I mean because you mm-hmm. you lack that guiding star. And, and a lot of people, and I was, were going through life bouncing around like a pinball from objective to objective. Make the money here. Hit this milestone. Do this. Do that. And I had the house. I was doing the things that I was told you're supposed to do. Supposed I was to. taking care of my family. Yep. I had the money. You know, um, we have four kids now. About five years into it. I was miserable uh, and I thought it was just stress and productivity. So I got really productive. I fired half my clients. I raised my prices, made more money. But back in 2002, my father passed away and my dad was my hero and he worked on the space program. Uh, He has a patent. I'm looking at it on my office wall right now for a switch that powers the electronics on the Boeing 777. Um, Worked on the space program, the Apollo, Apollo lunar landing module. Uh, which I actually forgot about uh, until I just reread the eulogy I gave at his funeral just a couple days ago. And um, he had this incredible career at his funeral. No one mentioned his career. It was mm-hmm. all about what he did as a husband, a father, volunteering in the community. Mm-hmm. He read audiobooks into his 80s, audiobooks for the blind. He was president of the local Notre Dame club. He did all these things. And and it dawned on me, all these people are there crying, but in a you know celebrating his life. Yep. Like, who the hell, other than my wife and kids, and are my relationships as strong there as they need to be, who the hell would, A, care if I died? Not from just a ego perspective, from an impact perspective, but also my dad, my hero, had set this example, and here I was. I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now. I was on a cocktail of prescription drugs. I was having regular anxiety attacks. I was unhealthy. I would always snap at my wife and kids. Those relationships Mm -hmm. weren't strong. And I decided at my dad's wake sitting there, all right, time for a change. And so, of course, I went home. I let the dust settle. And I did nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was in a comfort zone, even though it was a comfort zone of misery. And that went on for years until... Several years later, I woke up. It was Thanksgiving week. It was a Tuesday morning. And I woke up. I told all my clients and my team that I was having the week off. Like, don't bother me. Because I, I I was just reaching that point, right? Right. Just let me have a week off. Didn't matter. Emails. Send us this report. Hop on this call. Get here. Are you coming to this meeting next week? All this stuff. And I woke up Tuesday morning. And I said, that's it. And I went and told my wife. And, you know, like a typical guy, I thought, oh, I've been hiding it all these years. Mm-hmm. And I said, Julie, I'm shutting it down. And she said, it's about time. Wow. And shut it down overnight. Uh, peak revenue. Now, a lot of people say, well, you had a successful thing. You can do that because you have all that money saved up. I'm not prou- too proud to say because I think it's a learning experience. No, 
I didn't have money saved up because my lifestyle rose to the level of my income and I didn't save anything. So I jumped off the Titanic without a life preserver. Um, and I had been side hustle coaching for a while and said, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I want to, I want to help people. And so that's what I've been doing for several years. And, uh, the the book is part of that mission. Well, and and I'm going to get into that a little bit about, you know, stuff we accumulate and, you know, coming up in a little bit, but so, so tell me about this freedom lifestyle you've built your brand and business around. I mean, obviously you're kind of hitting around. It doesn't mean that I need to make more money in order to be free. Right. So tell me exactly what is it? and the foundation of it, and specifically the five pillars, what are they? You know, freedom is between your two ears. That's where it arises. And, uh, you know, I ask, <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt right now that says, what does freedom mean to you? Um, and it means something different to every single person. And you've got to define it for yourself. You know, we're, we're, in he- we're here in this coronavirus chaos environment. A year ago, well, less than a year ago, back in May, we were in Italy. And it's, you know, it was interesting. I, we, uh, my birthday's April 29th. So we went to my birthday and, uh, Endgame was on, it came out like two days before my birthday or whatever. Right. So we saw Endgame. It was my birthday. You know, I'm at that age. So I'm turning 45 this year where you start to really think on every birthday, you start to really think about where you're going, where you've been. Then we go to Italy and, we're at, we're at an Airbnb up on a hilltop in Piano de Sorrento, which is above Sorrento. And, and I can see Vesuvius. So at the end of every day, I have a glass of wine and I, and I look out at Mount Vesuvius and it's very imposing. And we had been to Pompeii and you think about what happened on Pompeii and everyone was taken, caught unawares, right? Right. And, you know, I just watched Endgame and it's my birthday and I'm <laughs> sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what, what, what would happen in a global catastrophe right now? Like, do we have the critical thinking necessary? You were really thinking that, huh? Uh, Absolutely. And I told, and I was obsessing with my coach around the time thinking, I really want to, this is where I want to go with my mission. Help spur critical thinking, build this in. And, you know, right now, and, and my thought was this, we have everything we need. The biggest weapons we have are not our brawn. Right. It's our creative minds. And I think that the schooling system, the education system, the culture of compliance that Mm -hmm. we have in our society is coming to play. We're seeing it right now in this coronavirus environment. And the problem is, you know, Thomas Edison was told to sit down, shut up, that he had a problem. They said he had an adult brain. Well, today they'd say he has ADHD and give him a drug and tell him to shut up. We may not have the light bulb or at least he would have invented it. And you keep doing that over and over and over Does it make it less likely we will find the Thomas Edison's of the world? Now, people can point to an Elon Musk, right? People can point to a Steve Jobs, right? Mm -hmm. And I can also point to the fact that many of our entrepreneurs now are not coming from this country. Now, I'm not saying that because to lessen uh, an entrepreneur who comes from India. What I'm saying is what's going on in this country when entrepreneurship is actually down and now we're seeing with coronavirus where we have this culture of compliance taking over where you can't even ask questions and think critically without being accused of being something of uncaring. And I think that's, I think that's very dangerous. And you're seeing this compliance mindset. And now people are saying, well, look at China, look what they did. Well, China's got a lot of guns. They harvest human organs from political dissidents. They kill people. They infringe on free speech. The Chinese Communist Party, not the Chinese people, the Chinese Communist Party is evil, and they have a culture of compliance. 
Um, I just interviewed uh, Brigadier General, retired Robert Spaulding on my podcast. He was the attaché, defense attaché to China, strategic planning director for the National Security Council. And he's been over there during election time. They don't even know what the word democracy is. They don't have, yeah. he realized that they don't have a word for campaign rally. Hmm. So they are by nature compliant. What I'm seeing now, and we could argue if the social isolation is good, if it's not, if it's necessary, I'm not going to get into that. But what heartens me is to actually see some people when they think for themselves and show a little bit of F you to the world, yeah. right? Because that yeah. shows that's compliance. It might be healthy, might be unhealthy. I think overall it's healthy. But I think that critical thinking is so necessary for freedom yeah. because you ask, do I have to make more money to be free? I don't know. It depends. That's up to what you. What do you want? Right. I'm a, I'm a free market capitalist, unabashed. But I think that when we become so attached to things, instead of realizing that prosperity isn't something you go out and get, prosperity is already within you, mm -hmm. then when something like this happens, you realize that you've been a slave to external expectations, to external people, to the politicians, to whatever it is, and now you're feeling, oh my gosh, um, what happens if I lose my job? Well, if you build a life of freedom, you're like, listen, stuff goes on around me. Yeah, it's not great, but I'm going to be centered and I'm going to realize that I got my wife, I got my kids, I got it around me. My dad lived through the Great Depression. He yeah. ended up having a very fulfilled life. There's things I can control and things I can't control. Yep. I'm going to focus like hell on the things I can control. That's it's all, freedom. It's all in your mindset. And I did, if you go out to my uh, the Twitter page, and I think it's on a couple of my social media pages uh, outside of my business, but I have a branding page of my own. You know, I have a saying that says the battlefield is in your mind, not your circumstance. Yep. Absolutely. It, it, it absolutely is. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. I mean, you could make a million dollars, lose it all tomorrow. Why can't you make it again? Right? You made a bad and decision. He, you learn from it. You make it again. It, it doesn't matter what happened. People um, who have an abundance mindset lose their money and make it right back. People who have a scarcity mindset, you could give them a million dollars today and it would be gone. I mean, look at the overwhelming ratio of lottery winners mm -hmm. who have lost their money. Look at the amount of billionaires who lost all their money and made it. Yeah, They didn't make it from luck. They made it from their mind. And, um, you know, there's a lot of knee-jerk tribalism, people with money are bad, uh, wealth is bad because we're programmed. We're programmed between age one and seven to have those certain beliefs. Now you can reprogram it, but you even see it now. People, well, they should just give a blanket, uh, you know, every mortgage holder and, and every landlord should just forgive rent and mortgages. <laughs> well, let's, let's employ critical thinking and think, well, Short -term, are, so you're, makes you want to put, you want to, mm. well, but how are you going to do that? You're going to put yeah. those people out of business. So you're saying those yeah. people are less important than you. And, you know, we retreat into this tribalism and everything becomes political. Everything becomes a matter of my group versus your group. Yep. And that, 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 that taking a pause a little bit, exercising your brain a little bit, reverse engineering a problem. We're, we're, we're seeing right now what happens when that doesn't happen. And, and what I worried about last May, um, yeah, I almost feel like it was it was uh, a prophecy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you know. So let's get into this, right? Because I think as a society, we've just been brainwashed that this is the way things are supposed to be. 
And I mean, you can tell me, but why, I mean, why do you think people go through life? Is it because of that brainwashing that, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And that's why we have blahs. So people just forge down this path of accumulating shit in order to make them happy. Yeah. And, and, I, I, yeah. You know, and you're sitting there, like you said, in your late 30s or 40s, and say, I, I went through the same thing, still going through it. What is life about? This is, you know, it's not about this big house. It's not about this car. It, it's that's absolutely insane. It because, is, yeah, in yeah. my mind, you know, and I've read this and I do a lot of reading on this is, you know, I mean, people in general are not supposed to be stagnant. They've been, you know, wanderers, they've been nomads, right? And all of a sudden, in the last several hundred years, a couple hundred years probably, we've been programmed that you stay in one spot, you build a lifestyle, and that's, and you go to work, then you die, and that's it. And to me, that's the insanity. That's why we have such, you know, high anxiety, depression, drugs, suicide, dot, 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 is because we're not programmed as humans to do what we're doing. Am I wrong? Or you tell me. You're 100% right. I mean, the, the, the important word is meaning. And having meaning and attaching meaning. And when people don't have meaning, they join gangs. When people don't have meaning, they're led blindly by their favorite cable news host. When people don't have meaning, um, they sit on Facebook and attach their meaning to whatever the majority of their Facebook friends post that day. When people don't have meaning, they do, they become depressed and they wonder what it's all about. And it starts with that programming, age one to seven, your parents, your teachers, the people around you, the media, whatever it is. When you're age one to seven, you're in what's called the theta state. Now, the theta state is, is what you're in early in the morning as you're waking up and late at night as you're going to sleep. Your brain is more susceptible to computer programming, just like a computer. Mm -hmm. So from age one to seven, if you hear all that stuff around you, if you're someone at age 40 who finds yourself watching Shark Tank and saying those fat cats, they have enough <laughs> money, you probably had parents who said the same thing, compounded by your teacher saying mm -hmm. the same thing, hearing it from your church pulpit, whatever it is through life. Now- the good news is once you know it, it's up to you to change it. You can reprogram, but it takes daily habits and rituals, getting up early in the morning, affirming, getting ready. Anytime you have a feeling, a thought of limitation or lack, you stop it right there and you switch to abundance. You switch to, you know, every morning I have six affirmations that I do and I do them throughout the day. I do push-ups nice. throughout the day. And I do six affirmations as I do them. I do them throughout the day. Every time I have a negative thought, I come back to doing my affirmations. I do them before bed. The first is I am energy. You know, we're all energy manifested as matter. That's basic science. And basic science yeah. also holds, it's the, one of the laws of thermodynamics. I can't remember which one, that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. So it's a very empowering thought. No matter what comes at you, you're still going to be around in whatever, you know, your energy, maybe it's your consciousness, right? Yeah. But you also realize that energy within you is your creative mind. It's prosperity. So I, I remind myself that every day. The second is I am love. Everything I do, mm -hmm. I remind myself. Sales is about helping people, which is another form of love. Um, I love my family. I think about all those things, and I can feel it emanating from me. And what you put out in the world, you get back. Yep. So I am love. The third is I am gratitude. Not just grateful for stuff. I'm grateful for my energy. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful I'm here. I'm grateful I have the tools to make a difference and an impact in the world. The next is I am joy, just putting joy out to the world. And what other choice do we have except be miserable? Right. So I'm joyful. And the last two affirmations, I'm patient and I'm detached. And that goes to the old Lao Tzu uh, Chinese tradition of Wu Wei, which means unattached action. 
which to use a, a, a modern example, Nick Saban calls it the process. He developed it while he was at Michigan State, which is, yeah, we have goals, right? We want to win the national championship. We want to big, win the Big Ten championship. We want to win this game. But instead of focusing on those end results and obsessing about them, mm-hmm. we're going to obsess about the next down, not the second down, not the third down. We're going to focus on the very next down. Listen, stuff's going to happen. People are going to get injured. The season's going to get canceled from coronavirus. And if you've obsessed about the results, then right now you've lost your sense of meaning. But if you, yep. you know, if you, if you become outcomes focused, but don't obsess on the results, that is uh, you know, that Wu Wei, that unattached action that the Chinese have been talking about for yeah. 6,000 plus years. <laughs> well, it comes down to two things, right? Um, it's holding yourself accountable, which is, you know, the rituals, like you said, and then execution. I mean, everybody wants more. Everybody wants it, right? I want this. I want more money. Really? Well, how much do you want? How are right. you going to get it there? As you say, have you done the process to reverse engineer it? As Nick Saban yeah. says, you know, it's every down. And maybe that's why Iowa, you know, we talked earlier, is so successful because they are so fundamentally sound. And that's one thing every says, everyone says about them is that when you play them, they are fundamentally sound. They focus on the little things, the footwork, the t- you know, how, you know, what degree your knees are bent at, you know, how you, every, you handwork everything. So when it comes yeah. to the game, they might not have the five-star athletes, but they're not going to make the mistakes that they might and make. It, it's process. It was, uh, I can't remember which year it was. Maybe it was the year where they went to the Big Ten Championship, but they had... They went through three different running backs. Remember that? Every running back yeah. got hurt. What are you <laughs> going to do? Right? If you obsessed about the results of that, you can't foresee it. Yeah. What do you got to do? Just focus on the process. So I interviewed yesterday Joe Peachy, top sales trainer, and, and he said he centers himself in his process. And no matter what goes on around him, he wakes up, he does his lead generation, he does 150 calls per week. And it keeps him centered. There's literally nothing else he can do. Because if he sits there and watches the news, if he sits there and watches social media and stresses about it, doesn't get anything done. He's not helping anyone by watching the news and stressing out about it. So you got to stay focused on that process. And that's how you can become bulletproof. That's another thing that could keep you free is process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, it's funny. Hey, you, uh, not funny, but I think it's really cool. You do the affirmations every morning and I do them. And I talk, I mean, we talk about rituals. I have rituals every morning. You know, when I yep. wake up, I uh, drink my glass of water. Actually, it's got um, workout boost in it. Nice. Um, I, re- I read the Bible. Uh, I, re- I read my affirmations. I actually put a new one on my mirror in my bathroom, and I look at it, and I repeat it to myself 50 times. And it's kind of cute because the other day my daughter came in my bedroom, went to go use my bathroom, and I thought that was weird. And she's seven years old, cute as a button. You know, and she leaves, and she takes off, and then about, you know, an hour and a half later, I go in there, and there's a little note. She took the little marker and wrote on my mirror, I love you, Dad. You're the best uh-huh. dad in the world. And I'm standing there That's thinking, awesome. she's seen me write these affirmations down, and so she saw that it's a positive messages, and then she turned around and wrote a positive message, and I sat there and thought, okay, that's what life is about. If I could, if I could buy my kids anything in the world, that's great, right? But if I could teach her how to think and lead with love, man, that, that's a legacy that I just, you know, it, 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 you can't put a price on. Yeah, you know, and and that that, you know, kids learn by seeing. Yeah, they learn by hearing, but they also learn by seeing and they learn by example. And, you know, information without emotion is not retained. And the emotion that your daughter sees from you when you do certain things, that's so much more effective. It's going to stick with her more than 
do this, don't do that, right? right. It's the example yeah. you set. Absolutely. So let's get into the five pillars of freedom. Superpowers is the first one, and you kind of made mention of a superhero earlier. So what, what does this mean? I'm just a normal guy. Do I have to go back to school or take a bunch of online courses in order to be better or create a better lifestyle? No, not at all. So I'm a, I'm a Gallup certified strengths trainer. And one of the things that if you remember, I said back in like four or five years into my business, I was overwhelmed. I was unproductive. Well, I was working in my weaknesses zone. I was doing a lot mm. of things that didn't come naturally to me. And so I used Gallup strengths finder to learn my strength zone, get in that strength zone. So every human being is born with innate talents, God given talents, right? And uh, Gallup says we each have 34 of those talents. Now, if you go to anyone, can go to gallopstrengthcenter.com and take the assessment, the Strengths Finder assessment. It'll show you, depending on how much you pay, your top five talents or your 34 talents in order. Now, these talents, to give an example, Kerfee, did you ever play baseball? Yes. Not very well, but yes, I did. <laughs> what position <laughs> did you play? I played second base in uh, left field. Got it. Are you right handed or left handed? I'm right handed. So let's say at the beginning of the season, your manager came up to you and said, Kerfee, we're going to try something different this year. You're going to hit left-handed this season. <laughs> what, what, what do you think would happen? I thought he was crazy because I can't hit right-handed. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, but it comes more naturally to you, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm horrible at baseball. But at least I can throw a ball somewhat decently with my right hand. If you ask me to throw it with my left hand, don't mm -hmm. videotape it because it looks, you know, it looks <laughs> like I'm, you know, like a like an infant, you know. So whether you're right-handed or left-handed is a God-given talent. That's what that's what you yeah. were born with. Whether you can throw a baseball or hit a baseball well, that's a skill. You combine the talent with the skill, you turn them into a strength. Now, often we force ourselves to do the equivalent of hit with our non-dominant hand throughout the day. We focus on our weaknesses. We focus on doing the things we don't do well. As entrepreneurs, some managers force their teams to do that as well, right? Yep. So we know, I mean, Gallup's been doing this for almost half a century, that when you get into your strength zone, you're more efficient. Things come more naturally to you. You have more positive than negative interactions. You have a better quality of life because you're starting to get in that flow state. You're starting to do what comes naturally to you. If you do the equivalent of have to hit a baseball with your left hand all day, every day, you're going to hate it. You're mm -hmm. not going to be as successful. Now, take it a step further. So you know your strength and, and you're in your strength zone. When you show up every day, to use the baseball example, with a love for the game, with passion, with a sense of teamwork, with helping the people on your team, showing up every day, using those strengths intentionally, you practice, you hit the batting cages, whatever it is, that's when you turn it into a superpower. And getting in that superpower zone is the first step. You know, there's all five pillars that we have. Right. Superpowers is number one because throughout, when someone's facing a challenge, listen, if you're going up a mountain, right, you're going to have different five strengths than I have. We're going up a mountain, and I want to get to the top of that mountain, and there's going to be a blizzard. A tree's going to fall in front of us. There's going to be an avalanche, whatever it is. When that tree falls in front of you or falls in front of me, I have different uh, different weapons in my arsenal. They're called mm -hmm. my strengths to either go up, over, under, around that tree. So, you know, learner is, for instance, is my number one strength. I'm probably going to get online and look for ways to get around a tree. You know, how do you right. cut down a tree? How do you cut through a tree? Um, I have a lot of activator in me. I might put my shoulder down and try to hit the tree, you know, whatever it is, those strengths, that is your tool set, you know, 
are you more of a strategic thinker? Are you more of an executor? Are you more of a relationship builder? Are you more of an influencer? You look at Steve Jobs, horrible relationship builder. Yeah. Excellent influencer. And so he focused on that to be as successful as he could be, which is really what it's all about. Yeah. Doing what you do best to be the best of who you are, not the best of someone else, and not focusing on trying to fix your strengths or sorry, fix yeah. your weaknesses all the time. Well, that's awesome. It's, I love that because it kind of reminds me, I've been watching the Jubanji movies and they, they, they yeah. kind of focus on that, right? I mean, exactly. Yep. Everyone wants to look like The Rock and be The Rock. He's the cool guy. But, you know, hey, he couldn't survive without the other guys and their strengths and, and vice versa. So Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great little thing. The next pillar of the five is vision. Well, mm -hmm. this is simple, Kurt. I have a vision on what my life should be or what I want, so I guess I don't really need to focus on this, right? Or is this where most people fail and why is that? Yeah, it's it's it, it's not where most people fail. But you remember back uh, at the beginning of of our conversation, I said that I, like many people, bounced from objective to objective without a clear vision. That vision is the guiding star. And those people who bounce around like a pinball at some point hit a wall mm -hmm. and they look and they're like, wait, uh, where am I going? Like, what's the goal of this game of life? Like, where do I want to end up? What do I want that to look like? Now, a lot of people, because of the permission based culture we live in, can't give themselves permission to even define that. They can't get past that program that we talked before, which is, yeah, I really want my life to look like that, but that's irresponsible. It's impractical because my dad said back when I was 15, <laughs> I'm 45 now, my dad said go into finance and it's all about the car and the mortgage and that's it. And yep. you sit there and you play defense your whole life, right? Yep. So you got to get past that. But once you have a vision and you define it, that's where those affirmations come in every single morning, stepping into that vision, literally putting yourself there so that it becomes part of your body's and your mind's muscle memory so that every day you've already been there, man, right? So it's easy to chart the course because as we see with, with uh, the pillar, which is outcomes in a little bit, it's all about reverse engineering that vision. And, you know, uh, Steve Jobs said, you can't connect the dots moving forward. You can only connect them going backwards. That's why it's so important to act as if you've already been there in your vision every day. Repetition, visualization and repetition every single day. So, man, you've already been there, so you can connect the dots moving backward, right, right to get where you need to go. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think with that vision and people, they, they get, I think they quit though, right? Because they don't take the little successes. They want, you know, just like they want everything right now. Whether it be going to the gym, I want to look like that, you know, bodybuilder right there, that guy. I, I can't do that. You know, eight weeks in, I quit because I, I don't see the results. Mm -hmm. And, but their vision's so short-sighted. It's got to put in the time. You've got to put in the effort to get to that point. And yeah, you might not look like that eight weeks later, but did you lose two or three pounds? Well, guess what? Keep doing that. You're going to lose another two or three pounds. Do you have that much more muscle mass? Yeah. Um, same thing with making money. Yeah, I don't, I'm not making a million dollars, but did I make an extra 500 bucks this week than I did last week? Yeah. Just, re just keep repeating it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like what we were talking about the Hawkeyes, you know, they're not going to get a lot of 40 yard completions and gains. They focus on three yards, three yards, three yep. yards, you know, and, and, oh, and, yeah. and, you know, maybe three and a half because then you get the first down and that's it for them. That, yeah. That's what that's how they win games. And by doing that, by the way, the other team gets frustrated because they can't score. Um, and control the clock. Yeah. Exactly. And, and their vision is that's our game plan. We know what we want to do. That's how we get there. Um, and you visualize that every day. Now, you got to move toward it every day. And the only way to do that is visualization and yeah. the repetition. That's the hard work. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, my son's fo- I coach football for my son's uh, football team. I'm an assistant coach. One of the things we were trying to teach the running backs because they're young, they're nine year, eight year, nine years old, and we tell the running backs, listen, football is a game of chess. It's not. <laughs> we do not expect to score a touchdown every play. The plays right. aren't designed to score a touchdown every single time. If you can get three, four, five yards, that's great. You did a phenomenal job. Do not get frustrated with not scoring every time you touch the ball. And don't try to do things that are going to cause you know the rest of the team anguish because you fumbled it. Do your job. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before I ask you about alignment, I want to get a reaction out of you. Yeah. When you hear the term work-life balance, what goes through your head? Uh, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I set, I set know, that one yeah. up. <laughs> I, I know. I know. It's, you know, and, and a lot of people, when they hear me say that, they think it's because I'm going to say, because you just work until you, like, there is no life. Don't worry about your relationships and self-care. There's a lot of gurus. I call them hustle and grind pornographers that mm-hmm. would tell you that. No, I say it because... If you think that there's something called work and there's something completely separate called life, then you're headed for a crash because there's just life and there's three facets of life. Yeah, there's work, but there's relationships and there's your self-care. If your self-care isn't at 100%, I got news for you. Neither your relationships or your work. Mm -hmm. You're no good to your company or to your business if you're dead. And the same with relationships. You know, Harvard University has done a study it's 80 plus years in the making. I think 83 or 84 years at this point. There was a, a famous TEDx or TED talk about it. They started 80 plus years ago uh, by interviewing uh, undergrads and they at Harvard. And they said, what do you think is going to be the key to fulfillment and happiness in your life? And uh, you know, they, of course, said well, money, prestige, awards, all this stuff. 80 plus years later, not even close. Yeah. By and far relationships are the most important. And I'm sure a lot of those people learned it the hard way, but all the money, all the other stuff, relationships were number one. And so you've got to align those three facets, not balance them, but align them in a way that works for you. And it's going to be different for every person. I have four kids. It's going to be different for me than it looks for someone who has no kids. Um, but alignment, you know, a lot of people look, look at the yin yang and they think those are opposites, good and bad. Right. Uh, they, they're, they're aligned. They're actually mixed up Mm -hmm. and you got to have a little bit of both. You got to have order and chaos in your life to find that alignment. It's not the balance between the two. It's align them. You're going to have a little bit of each in your day. So that's why alignment is so very key. That's great. Well, let's talk about outcomes and our, uh, friend Gary V everyone knows Gary V always makes a comment that 99% of the people that go listen to him speak will be motivated by will be motivated by what he says, but they won't do shit with it, with what he told yeah. them to do. Hence why so many can't seem to get the outcome they need. How does Kurt Bergadane live a freedom lifestyle and get the outcome he wants? So we've already had a long discussion about process. And this is where that comes in. So gyms are packed in January. Well, in a non-coronavirus era, <laughs> gym, gyms are packed in January and they're empty like right about now in March and April, right? Probably in February. Right. Why? Because people try to rely on motivation and willpower alone. The problem with that is motivation and willpower are your, are your conscious mind. Now, 95% of your day, your activities, all of that is your subconscious. So you and I are breathing right now. We're not consciously saying breathe, breathe, breathe. If you walk down the street, you're not consciously thinking, 
one leg in front of the other, one leg in front of the other, right? right. Uh, my eyes are blinking. That's all my subconscious. Well, what your subconscious also is, is that programming we talked about. The programming that tells you you're not worthy, you were born a loser, you were born a sorry sinner, you're not gonna be able to make that money. If you make money, you're gonna lose it. Wealthy people are bad, whatever it is. So when you have that motivation and willpower, I'm not doubting that in that moment, your conscious mind is saying, I'm gonna go get it. Yeah. But you're fighting an opponent. It's 5% versus 95%. It's David and Goliath. You're going to get your butt kicked every single time. So the way that you make it happen is, first of all, that process of reprogramming every day, the visualization and repetition and the affirmations to reprogram your mind for abundance to clear the playing field, right? That's the first step. But then you take that vision. You reverse engineer it. You can't plan to your vision. That's just like throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what sticks. You reverse engineer the vision so that every year, every month, every week, every day, you know the three, just three outcomes you need to achieve every day, every week, every month, every year to move you toward your vision. And people say, well, I got to have more than three outcomes a day. You're wrong. Wrong. Because here's what happened. You know, I have four kids. They don't always finish what's on their plate at dinner. If they all run to the garbage disposal and try to put everything off their plate, what happens? It clogs the drain. If we say, you know what, clear some of the waste off in the garbage can first, and then one at a time, go to the garbage disposal. Less stuff at one time, more Mm -hmm. goes down. You unclog the drain. So it's less outcomes to achieve more. Actually, it's less inputs to achieve more of the right outcomes. That's true productivity. And so just three outcomes a day where it's like, listen, the Chinese army's in front of me right now. They're ready to fight me. I say, hold on, folks. I got my three outcomes to do. You've got to be a complete bastard about your outcomes and say no to whatever is not there. Otherwise, you're wasting time. Ulysses S. Grant had 24 hours in the day. Mother Teresa had 24 hours in the day. Name somebody who changed the world. They had 24 hours in the day, but they decided to focus on their non-negotiable outcomes each and every day and put that process in place. The people who put that process in place and focus on those outcomes are the ones who are still in the gym in October because it wasn't about motivation and willpower. It's about focusing on their outcomes and focusing on the process. And I think one of the most important things about that is, so what, what if you can't get in the mindset? It's just, you, you hit that wall and I'll, t- you know, maybe it's, you know, someone say, well, Kurt, because this is what you do for a living. And so does Kurt, but hire a coach, hire yep. a coach to push you, right? Every, everybody that's successful in life has a coach. We grew up with coaches and teachers. Then all of a sudden we don't have them and they think we can all do it ourselves. But you look at the Super Bowl, Tom Brady has, you know, Bill Belichick, but then he also has a quarterback coach and there's an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's got several coaches and I'm sure he has a relationship coach and everything else. Why do we think we don't need one? Why, right. why is our ego so stopping us from, you know, getting that outcome? And it's like, if you have a coach three months later going to the gym, pushing you, you're not going to quit. He's going to make you do things you don't want to do. And, and often we're, we're like, we're in the middle of our own forest, right? And we're chopping down 200 trees and feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting anywhere. The coach has the ability is floating in a helicopter above the forest saying, uh, hello, you only got to cut down those two trees over there. Why are you cutting down those other 198? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh wait. Yeah. So I have, I have a client right now who is filling her day with just a bunch of noise and was losing the signal. 
And I reverse engineered what happens if she doesn't start getting her outcomes done Mm -hmm. and realizing that everything else isn't going to get her there. I mean, in the end, if you don't get those outcomes done, you lose your business, you lose your house, you lose, lose your relationships, you're out on the street. And when someone can point out that forest for the trees, to use a cliche, that's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, all these other things are nice to haves, but this is like have to have. Yeah. And if there's if there's one thing, good thing that comes out of the coronavirus uh, chaos or, or situation or whatever, it's that a lot of people use this time to really reflect. There's a lot of people who've traded freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security, a paycheck, a comfort zone. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting and someday and someday. And now they're sitting at home wondering, I have no security at all. I'm at the whim of an employer. And I thought this was a secure job. If I had started five (laughs) years ago building my business, I'd be fine right now. Well, my saying it's only secure until it's not. (laughs) Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Well, hey, the last pillar is flow. And uh, is this just some hippy dippy shit? I mean, tell me, tell me <laughs> what the hell do you mean? Because Gary V says, I need to grind every day. And I think you kind of touched on that. Uh, are you telling me to flow? What gives? Yeah. So flow is the cumulative impact of the first four pillars. Mihai Shiksenmihai, who wrote the seminal book Flow, right? He talked about the circumstances that need to be in place for you to achieve flow having a clear sense of what it takes to win each day. We talked about outcomes, Mm -hmm. having goals that are intrinsically rewarding. We talked about vision, you know, that attaching that meaning to that. We talked about superpowers. Listen, if you're hitting, regardless of how good you are or bad you are hitting right-handed, you're much worse with your left hand, right? Is that flowing or grinding when you're doing that? I, I also do an example with my workshop in my workshops and I have people take out a pen and paper and write the sentence Using their dominant hand, they write the sentence, I use my strengths every day three times. On average, it takes about 19 or 20 seconds. And I say, okay, great. Now put the pen in your non-dominant hand and write the same three sentences. On average, anywhere between two and three minutes, and there's mm-hmm. moans, there's groans, there's laughters. Do you feel like you're flowing? What, which, you know, <laughs> you're, you're certainly grinding with the left hand. Do you really think that's better? Yeah. And, you know, listen, I agree with Gary on a lot of things. And, and, and the thing about Gary Vee is, he contradicts himself every other video he puts out, right? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people listen to them, right? And they confuse effort with productivity. Yeah. They confuse activity with progress. And they chop down those 200 trees day after day. They're chopping down the wrong trees. And then they're like, I tried everything that Gary said. I tried everything that Grant said. He said, be obsessed or be average. Well, I've been obsessed for the last six months and I haven't made a dime. Yeah. Well, you could have done it by chopping down two trees. Now, Is that bad? Is that good? Now, by the way, here's where the grind comes in. When you chop down those two trees, you put every ounce of effort you have into it. You chop the hell out of those trees so you can work hard while working smart. Yep, that's where it is, right? The the people hear the word grind and they try to grind everything. Yeah. That's not what he's saying. That's not what, you know, you're saying or anybody's saying. It's like you said, find your strength, then grind at that. Absolutely. Yep. as you may mention, you know, we're recording this show, right? And there's a big uh, worldwide pandemic going on with the, the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. What, I mean, businesses are just being shut down. I mean, yeah, the economies are being shut down. What advice yeah. would you give people during this time of social isolation, especially businesses and business owners? Process is important. Process is key. You know, I talked to someone earlier today 
Uh, I help people with branding right now, you know, just from it's it's one of the biggest concerns I'm hearing. Well, how do I brand and sell in this environment? And they say, oh, my gosh, no one's buying. No one's even thinking of buying. I say, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. Just because you're in a panic, you think they are. And and I put a post up on LinkedIn earlier today about a fictitious guy named Jim. And I said, Jim's caught up in the panic. He sells widgets, but right now he's caught up in the panic. And Jim thinks, well, I'm in a panic. So everyone's in a panic and no one's buying. Mm -hmm. And he says, but he bases that on self-anecdotal evidence. Meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of people out there who, yes, are concerned about coronavirus, but are still in need of widgets. And they're wondering, where the hell is Jim? Thankfully, Jim's competitors are still talking about mm -hmm. the value they provide. They're eating Jim's lunch. Yep. People may not be buying now. I had a call with someone who's in the food service industry, and she consults, not just with restaurants, but large corporations who have large food service operations within their companies, right? Commissaries, coffee, snack bars within there, right? They're going to come back, and they're going to be more concerned than ever about how to uh, serve food in a way that is clean and, mm -hmm. you know, social isolation and they don't, you know, they don't spread the virus and all that. I said, why don't you use this meantime? And by the way, all mm -hmm. those potential customers are sitting at home with nothing to do right now. Yep. What if Where they you use this time to share your information and knowledge and tips so they keep seeing your name, yep. Jane? Here's Jane's knowledge so that when they come back, they're like, wow, we got to do this. You know what? I'm going to call Jane. Yep. She knows what she's talking about. Um, you're 100% so correct, man. You're, you're absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cause I put a, I just put a blog out there myself today saying, what should you be doing? What's your sales strategy? B2B sales strategy right now. It's something you probably should have been thinking about prior to this, but reaching your audience different through social media, right. checking up on your SEO, just going through the digital marketing strategy and lead generation techniques that you've been putting off because the economy's been doing so well. Well, guess what? Now it's not. And you need to reach these individuals. And where are they at? Like you said, they're at home. They're still on social media. So maybe you should be taking a look at that strategy and implementing that because like you said, once this does bounce back and it will, they've got to go somewhere. And what, who are they going to go to? The person that's been talking to them the whole time. Just Absolutely. differently. No, I'm not, I'm not walking in your front door, shaking your hand like I used to. I'm doing it differently. And you might have shrugged that off because you didn't believe in it because you built your business a certain way for so many years. Well, guess what? Just overnight, that whole business model is gone. Yeah. Absolutely gone. And Agreed. who knows how, what it's going to be like in the future? I, I have no idea. You know, a lot of businesses might take a look at this and say, you know what? We perform pretty darn well with 70% of our workforce working from home. So now and your sales strategy, you know, B2B sales strategies and going out making calls, maybe, maybe that's not going to be the strategy in the future. I don't know. But you need to either sharpen that axe and figure it out. And use your, use your knowledge. Use, your, use the, the, uh, the creativity and the intellectual capital that you have to help people figure out how they can come back in quarter two or quarter three. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I, I did a webinar yesterday. I had 20 people on the webinar and I have four sales calls. People still have needs and you still offer value. And mm -hmm. whether there's a virus or not, there's a lot of people who don't fully believe in the value they provide. And if you don't believe in the value you provide, you're going to have a fundamental sales challenge because every time you're on a sales call, you're going to think in terms of I'm picking someone else's pocket and I'm begging versus I'm helping this person. Yeah. And that is true, especially now, but it's true any other time because there's always going to be something in the world. There's always going to yep. be a hurricane or a tornado. There's going to be a pandemic. There's going to be a, a, a crazy political situation. 
And you got to weather the storm by focusing on that process. Yeah. You know, I was talking to my sales director at the beginning of the week. He said, man, Kirk, what are we going to do? I said, what do you mean we're going to do? I said, our whole business around coaching, digital marketing, CFO, bookkeeping, outsourcing services is all based on the virtual world, remote, doing yeah. things remotely. I said, we have a great opportunity now to talk more about what we do and show people, hey, you can still run your business and probably run it more efficiently by outsourcing some of the stuff and doing it remotely. Yeah, so. absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. But, hey, Kurt, this has been an extremely fun and entertaining show. And I can't believe we've been talking in an hour. It just doesn't seem like <laughs> it's possible. Uh, so I'm definitely going to have to have you back. Um, but you've been an amazing and dynamic guest. And that's if you want to come back. I hope, hopefully, you want to come yeah, back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we follow each other on social media and for some time. And I was just thrilled that, you know, without hesitation, you accept my invitation to come on. Um, and like I said, I know this would be dynamic and you've proven me right. So again, thank you. I'd love to have you back on. Uh, maybe we'll go a little bit deeper on some of what we discussed today, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back and thank you. I'm really grateful for having you having me on the show. Yeah. But so before I sign off, I want you to be able to plug whatever you want to plug or leave us with some final thoughts of bearded wisdom. The, the platform's yours. Well, we talked about branding and that number one challenge for people and facing people right now. We actually have a branding solution. I call it the authority branding program where imagine this, you're in self-isolation, you're in self-quarantine mm -hmm. and all you got to do, a reporter calls you twice a month, interviews you on a topic on which you are an expert. That interviews turned into a news story in a relevant online Google News approved news publication and then promoted specifically to your target audience. And then you're given an analytics to see which of your target companies read the story, saw the story, and for how many, you know, how many times they right. read it. Now imagine that. It's easy, takes no effort on your part other than responding to a reporter. You don't have to write, you don't have to get in front of a video right. camera. If you want more information on that, anyone can email me at Kurt at KurtMercadante.com. All right. Did you hear that? That's Kurt at KurtMercadante.com. That's yes, awesome. Sir. Well, hey. Yeah. Well, Kurt, thank you again for coming on Hashtag Biz with the Beard podcast. Much love, success, and freedom to you, sir. Absolutely. Same to you, Kerfy. I appreciate it. All right. Well, hey, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard, then share it with your friends on all your social media pages. Don't forget why you are on Anchor subscribing. If you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help support the show, all you have to do is hit listener support, and we could feature you or your business at the beginning of the show. As always, I'm grateful for all of our listeners who tune in on all the amazing podcast platforms out there, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Anchor, and many, many more. Now, again, if you want to support the show, you can do that and subscribe to future episodes at anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard. You can also contact me directly to be title sponsors at curfee at acsexec.com. And there you have it, friends. Another show is in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here. Until next time, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Biz with a Beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. 
As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.